In today's podcast, we were joined by Will Zalatoris, who plays on the Corn Ferry Tour and played in the 2017 Walker Cup team, played his college golf at Wake Forest University, where he holds a score record for scoring average. And he's in some great form right now. He's made all the cuts on the Corn Ferry Tour this season. He's finished inside the top six in both his starts since the restart from the pandemic. Uh, he's got a great support system around him, some great friends on and off the course, and he's bound to go far. We expect him to be on the PGA Tour next season, and we expect him to win in the near future. So we're looking forward to seeing what comes for Will. We're too nervous, Dave. I'm afraid we lost the word. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Lost of Words podcast. I'm joined today by Corn Ferry Tour player Will Zalatoris. Will's been on the 2017 Walker Cup team, played at Wake Forest College, and is really now finding his feet at the, the level that he's playing at and playing some great golf. Welcome, Will. Uh, thanks for having me, Tom. How have you been during this? Uh, it's been probably a bit of a weird time for the last three or four months, but you've, you've come out really firing over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, it, it's been a nice restart. You know, obviously I had a nice start to the year on top of that, but, you know, I was very, I guess I should say, I haven't, probably since I was about nine years old, I didn't, I don't think I've ever, like, really had four months off, so it was kind of a, kind of a breath of fresh air at the same time, and then, but after a couple months, it kind of drove me crazy, but, um, you know, luckily, you know, I live in Texas, so we've been pretty fortunate on the amount of cases that we've had, and you know, as opposed to some other states. So we've been we've been actually pretty fortunate. Yeah, and, and like you say there, you know, you don't get the chance to have three or four months forever as a, as a touring professional, do you? And I suppose the first thing is getting used to dealing with that and what that looks like. But secondly, really just taking advantage of it. I know we just spoke just before we came on about how it's really served you well, having the time to let your coaches look at your game and, and really work on that for three or four months before you got going again. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was playing really well before our little break, and so it was kind of nice to be able to play with the coaches, and, um, you know, they would come out and watch me play, you know, holes when I'm playing against, you know, guys in little money games and whatnot, and, you know, like like I said, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you could, any coach can sit on the range, and, you know, you can wreck another golf ball if you don't like the, if you didn't like the one you hit, but now all of a sudden throw a little currency on there, and a little pressure, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, they get to really see, you know, this where the state of my game was. So it's, it was a for me, it was uh, we're fortunate because we were actually able to play golf through the pandemic. But uh, it was actually a very productive three, three and a half months for me. And you and you've not got a bad group of guys that you can play some of these money games on. There's, a, there's quite a few players there that can get the the juices flowing, I imagine, and uh, make it competitive yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the other day I was I was actually talking about this with some other guys but we played a wolf game at dallas national with kramer hickok jordan spieth ryan palmer tony romo and myself so it was a pretty good crew and you know davis Riley's my roommate in dallas you know he was one on the corn ferry tour already this year he's number two on the points list um you know kevin doherty plays at my club taylor moore plays at my club so you know we're just we're really lucky in dallas um you know to have all those guys that you know iron sharpens iron so it's been it's been fun yeah we'll get we'll get a sort of on to that a bit later especially in relationship with tony roma and things like that but just leading on there really nicely into obviously you're just growing up in texas from the age of nine but you, you were actually born and sort of raised in san francisco 
uh, just mm-hmm. outside. And and how important do you think that move was to Texas for your game? I know you've spoken about this where maybe it wasn't as easy to sort of play junior events in, in San Francisco as it was when you moved to Texas and, and the competition was a bit higher in Texas maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, the first junior event I ever played when we moved to Texas. I was playing against Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth. So, I mean, <laughs> that just speaks for itself. You know, I, I actually didn't play any competitive golf um, when I lived in California, but I absolutely loved it. You know, my dad was a member at California Golf Club for about 20 years, and um, that place was always just such a haven for me. I mean, uh, my dad my dad really did it right with really get me to catch the golf bug growing up. But, you know, he would, uh, you know, when I was in like second, third grade, and he'd pick me up from school and I could tell he'd be in his golf clothes and not be in work clothes. I knew exactly <laughs> where we were, where we were going. And, you know, on Saturdays he plays little game in the morning and I, my mom would drop me off in the afternoon and we'd go play one, two, three, four. And there was a little cut over to number nine and have a milkshake and drive on home. So, but, you know, once I got to Texas, I really started taking it a lot, a lot more serious and started playing, you know, North Texas PGA. I mean, they've run hundreds of junior events throughout the year. And in, in the summertime, you know, you play, you know, three one day events a week. You know, that was that was what really got me going. And, um, you know, there were summers where Scotty and I would win a dozen tournaments, but it was just because we played like, you know, 40 some events. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's living in Texas. I mean, the beauty of it is, you know, obviously there's some really good golf courses, some really good players. Um, you know, the weather year rounds normally pretty good. So like I said, when I first moved here playing against Scotty and Jordan from the very start, I mean, you want to get better, you play with the best. So, yeah, absolutely. Do you think that, that having the sort of period in sort of growing up in San Francisco and, and your dad and, and taking it sort of friendly and, and fun and having that kind of impact really sort of built your love for the game maybe not because if you'd started out competitive straight away could that maybe have sort of pushed you away because I know a lot of kids kind of get it forced upon them and, and find it hard to deal with whereas you sort of had the fun element and and the good memories of your dad and then got to take that into serious when you when you wanted to and were ready to yeah I mean the two people that I really have to credit you know, me really getting into the game is my dad. And then um, my first teacher, Greg Copeland, and who I still talk to to this day, you know, we really, it was always just go out and hit it as far as you can and, you know, make a bunch of putts and see how low you can, how low you can <laughs> shoot and eventually, you know, try to beat dad. So um, that was the best part, you know, for the two of my dad and I, especially, but, you know, with Greg was, he just made it so fun. Um, and that was, you know, that's something there's stuff that he taught me back then that there's that I even kind of carry over in, into today. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really got me into it. I mean, that's what, you know, a lot of parents when they've got their kids and they're super young and they're asking for advice. And I'm just like, look, just go play. Make sure they're with friends and just make sure it's fun. If they go out and shoot, you know, 65 for nine holes. Like as long as they're having fun, the day's one. You know, there's guys who their parents want them to get them, you know, make, want them to get college golf scholarships. And it's like, look, I know plenty of guys who didn't get recruited to their sophomore year of high school. And you're worried about a nine year old and what events they should play. Yeah. It's like, it's like, just make sure it's fun. And if they get a little frustrated then encourage them, make sure that, you know, if they need a little help with something, just make sure you're doing it the right way. So, um, you know, I'm really fortunate to grow up, you know, basically 
Saturday was golf with my dad, and then Sunday was golf with mom and my dad. So it was we're pretty fortunate. Yeah, it's lovely to hear. And, you know, there is obviously two sides to every part, isn't there? I mean, you look at kind of, you know, for Tiger Woods, who's in his own sort of level altogether. But when he grew up, he was from the age of sort of four and five. It was very competitive and very driven, wasn't it? And maybe didn't have the fun that, that all the other kids had. I mean, I guess he enjoyed the competitive nature, and that's what makes him what he is. But I remember watching a, a documentary on Netflix called The Short Game, and there was a lot of kids there that were really bearing under the pressure weren't they and like you say there to, to be able to just keep it fun um, and it's not like you know you 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 entered into or qualified a junior am at 12 so you know you didn't mm-hmm. you didn't get a late start into the game just because you, you weren't <laughs> taking it seriously you know you were competitive yeah. from a young age but you also got to enjoy it as you were growing up well and that's what you know I, when uh, I guess I was 11 years old the head pro at our club David Price who's basically he's a second father to me you know i owe him pretty much my entire career he's just been probably the most influential person in my life with the exception of my parents but i remember when i was 11 i was really struggling and scotty was you know he won a bunch of tournaments and um you know a bunch of other kids who were you know really accelerating at 11 or 12 and um i was kind of flatlining a little bit and i was kind of my, my dad did it the right way in the sense that he knew that I was very competitive, but I was very frustrated in the fact that I couldn't, you know, I wasn't w- contending with these guys. And so yeah. my dad set up a meeting with David and three of us sat down in his office. And basically at 11 years old, um, David was asking me, he said, you know, I see you out here with some of the other kids, but, you know, are you out here to get better or are you out here just to hang out with your buddies? And to give you a little background, uh, David was college teammates with Ben uh, Crenshaw and Tom Kite at Texas and was a pupil of Harvey Penick. And, um, you know, the story that he told me was that one of the first lessons he ever had of Mr. Penick was, uh, you know, David was a West Texas Odessa kid who never released the club in his life. He had a super strong left hand and would basically just hit a, a hard draw. And Mr. Penick was teaching him how to properly release the club. And so he gave him a pitching wedge and said, all right, you know, hit a thousand balls, 25 yards, come back tomorrow and we'll hit something a little bit longer, but I want you to get the feeling of this down before we go any farther. And so he hits a bunch of the balls. David comes back the next day and says, you know, it's like, well, you know, looking forward to hitting some longer shots today. And he said, well, you know, are you sore? And he said, yeah, I was very sore in my left forearm. He said, well, all right, good. He said, grab your seven iron and try to hit him about 50 yards and then we'll come back tomorrow and hit something longer again. And David was what, really kind of groomed my competitive spirit um, of really wanting to get the best out of myself every day I play golf. I mean, our lessons would be on the books for an hour, but we'd be going for two and a half hours and um, hitting just a million golf balls. And and that was something that, you know, that's stuff to this day that, you know, I cherish forever, but um, he's the one who really, kind of took it to the next level for me in terms of my competitive spirit and wanting wanting to compete 
Yeah, and it's, it's interesting there that you're going to say that sort of answers one of my questions was when did you really think that um, you really wanted to make a, a career and a living out of playing golf? Because obviously you, you're a talented youngster um, and you get an answer to a question like that at 11 years old. You probably don't know, do you? So you're going to 11 to 12 and you're thinking, OK, well, maybe this is the time that I'm thinking of college and, and professional. Do you think that it was at that point that you knew you could be a professional or you, that was just when the dream started? Yeah, you know, I've kind of always had it, had that dream really since I was little you know my my parents you know the joke is that I've been playing golf since my mom was six months pregnant with me (laughs) she credits her over the top swing to me because she was playing with when she was pregnant with me but (laughs) but really I I'd say when I was 11 or 12 was when I, I started dropping other sports and started taking golf very seriously and spending you know the hours and hours over the summer and banging balls in 105 degree heat you know that's kind of when I started dropping everything and you know really wanted to be good at it and you know the reality was I mean I this is what I tell a lot of my you know younger friends that are members at the club that I grew up at in Dallas called Bent Tree you know I would always tell them it's like you know when you're in high school you want to get a college scholarship and then when you're in college you want to try to be in the starting five and then you want to be number one, then you want to win tournaments and then it's this and that and boom, 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 boom. boom. And all of a sudden, you know, now it's weird to say it, but it's like, you know, now I'm 23 and I'm like, Holy hell, this was, you know, eight years ago. I didn't know where I was going to school. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's just the little goals along the way that I wanted to accomplish, but I've, I've really had the dream of being a, you know, professional golfer for pretty much my entire life. Yeah, and when you played that, you know, that junior uh, US Junior Am, you know, when you were 12, you had the first rounds with Patrick Cantlay, I believe, and, and Jordan yeah. Spieth actually won that week. So yeah. th- those were two guys that I think you could probably see from that age that this is what you were sort of going to have to be playing at to get to this level because they were both really highly regarded youngsters, as I'm sure you were as well. And, you know, that's just the, a good barometer to see where your game is at and, and how you have to play up to that to make the dream a reality, I suppose. Yeah, you know, really my first U.S. junior when I qualified for it was kind of the realization that I I knew that I could be really good at this game because I was playing, uh, you know, it used to be a 36-hole qualifier and I shot 74 in the morning with three over par. Then I went out in the afternoon and I was actually three over through six again, so six over total. And I knew the leader after the morning was three under. And I... 16 was a par five and i was like all right let's just get one here and just keep building on it and i ended up birdieing five in a row pulled out from 50 yards a number six for eagle and then birdied eight nine to shoot 65 and won the qualifier and that was yeah and that you know and that's a you know 12 years old playing a 6800 yard golf course and so for me it was like okay we can be really good at this and that was you know like i said even though my first experience at the u.s junior was a little tough it was a little long for me it was still uh it was still very you know i knew that i can compete with those guys and basically throughout my entire junior career you know my goal was to win a u.s junior yeah and, and what you say there as well getting to shoot in a 65 in a position that you're in not only is that from a technical standpoint and from a you know an ability standpoint absolutely exceptional but to have that kind of mindset and turn it around from uh, an overpass score into something like that at such a young age is it, that must be the probably the real stamping point that suggests that you can go to the next level because 
that is something that must be really hard at a young age because a lot of kids would just check out wouldn't they they just go okay right. this is my week and and that's it i'm good enough and i'll come back next time but but you really turned it around on the spot yeah no and that's something that you know i i don't mail things in so for me it was uh that that's probably one of the more memorable golf days i think we'll ever have on a golf course just in terms of uh resilience that that was something that i'll never forget yeah and also you you did go on to win one of those uh us junior rams against your roommate actually later on in life yeah yeah talk about that experience. yeah exactly yeah you know it was winning that was um you know that was actually the first time that david price had ever seen me play competitive golf he had not watched a single round in person until the finals of uh, that 2014 US Junior. And, you know, that first, you know, that our match was probably, I mean, I still think it was one of the finer matches that, one, I've ever been a part of, but two, that I feel like I've ever seen, just in the fact that I think collectively we made like 18 birdies and an eagle in 34 holes you know, or 33 holes between the two of us. I mean, it was just absolutely sickening how, how well we were playing and really duking it out. I just, when I got to that second 18, I, you know, I ended up just completely blacking out and came out firing and, you know, hit three flag sticks in, the, in our last 15 holes. It's just one of those things. And, you know, even Davis and I have reminisced about it a little bit and we've, kind of joked about it because every time you know i hit a flag stick now he's like oh god here we go again <laughs> so but yeah you know I, i've known davis since i was nine years old playing junior golf you know playing u.s kids world championships with him and our families have been close and you know kind of goes back to our conversation earlier it's just you know you want to be the best you can hang around the best that you can be with so um we've really pushed each other it's been great yeah and how easy or difficult is that to balance a relationship like because obviously you're good friends you spoke about friendship there and you're very good friends now living with each other but you, you know at the end of the day you're there to beat one another and it is competitive does it ever boil over or is it always just you know you kept it fun and, and it was just competitive in a in a friendly way we've i mean growing up i mean it was always competitive in a very friendly way but you know now that and we you know we've said this a bunch is that our money games that we play at Merido are way more heated than anything <laughs> that we play on the Corn Ferry Tour. Just in the fact that, you know, we are literally trying to cut each other's throats out. And, you know, if 10 and 8 is the best you can do, well, fine. I'm going to beat you 11 and 9, even though it doesn't <laughs> exist. And so um, it's been, you know, that's the part that, you know, when we're playing in tournaments, we're absolutely rooting for each other. Um, there's no question about that. You know, it's just obviously when we get back home, I mean, it's just nonstop smack talk. And, <laughs> you know, so that's that's just the part that, you know, we're we're basically brothers. I mean, we've pushed each other super hard in practice and, you know, made each other better. And so by the time we get into the real competition, we're we want the best for each other. Yeah. And this is one of the things that, you know, I've done quite a few of these podcasts now where a lot of the players have talked about making practice so difficult um, that when you play a tournament, it's actually a lot easier. Um, and that kind of takes the pressure off. And is that a little bit like what you're saying there that, you you know, you and Davis go so hard at one another in practice rounds in money games that, you know, Thursday to Sunday is a walk in the park? Yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, really over the last three months that, you know, we've talked about it was, you know, if you've got a putt that, you have to make to tie the hole and if you miss you lose 
and you know exactly how much you're going to lose, there's something about the pressure of possibly losing something that really gets me to focus in. And he's kind of mentioned it, that it's, it's really, you know, I would assume it's the same for him. You know, when we're out playing in tournaments, it's not like, you know, unless, if you're, unless you're thinking about winning, but it's not like guys are on any, you know, thinking of, you know, this three footers for, you know, a couple grand, you know, or whatever in this place. It's like, well, if you're thinking that you probably need to find a new profession. <laughs> and so there's something about, you know, like when we're playing our, our hammer game, it's like, you know, you've got a nine, 10 footer and you're thinking about taking it or declining it. And if you take it and miss, you lose double what you would have lost if you wouldn't have taken it. But if you make it, you push. Yeah. So that pressure automatically has helped us become better players and um you know you can't even really simulate that in practice you know just on the practice putting green or you know when you're on the practice day this is just it's stuff like that that just makes you you know you have to hit this shot right now well guess what when we're playing in you know the corn ferry tour coming down the stretch and trying to win a golf tournament you've got to hit that shot so it's as close to real competition as we can get yeah, and I think you do hear kind of you know a lot of people talk about Phil Mickelson and his famous cash games, and and that's how they've sort of kept sharp during the week. So it's obviously a a thing that people do, and and it's obviously worked for you during this time. And just to take it back a little bit now, obviously you had a decision to make going into college. You know, it wasn't sort of a full conclusion where you were going, and you actually grew up with Lanny Watkins, his kid, if I if I remember rightly, and yeah, and he sort of wanted you to go and take a visit at Wake Forest. Yeah, you know, that was the thing that, you know, growing up with Tucker and Travis, um, you know, and always looking up to Lanny, you know, I had, I knew that Wake Forest had an incredible um, history, and I was going to take a visit no matter what, and, you know, Lanny just said, hey, I hope you enjoy it. I mean, he never really ever pushed me in that direction or recruited me, if you will. You know, he just said, you know, hey, you know, obviously I'm a deacon, would love to see you go there, but if I can help at all just let me know and so um yeah you know I, I i absolutely loved wake wake had really helped me really prepared me to become a professional you know under playing for head coach jerry Haas and at the time coach walters dan walters um but you know our practice facility is right on campus it's uh, it's one of the best really that i've seen in the entire country um you know, 360 degrees of hitting on the driving range, one, you know, a couple of Bermuda grass, a couple of uh, bent grass, indoor, outdoor facilities. Um, and then, you know, our, our legacy room, basically with all the history of Wake Forest, it's like, you know, when you walk in there, you just want to be a part of that history. And, you know, I laugh at it now. It's like, you know, people have asked me, you know, what's your end goal in, in golf? And obviously, you know, everyone wants to say they want to win a major. Of course, I'd love to win a major. But, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, man, if I'm one of the best Wake Forest players or to ever go through there, I think I'll have a pretty damn good career. Yeah, you've done well for yourself <laughs> yeah. to, to match yeah, some of those names, I mean, haven't between, you? Yeah. yeah, Laney Watkins, Curtis Strange, Arnold Palmer, Webb Simpson just won yesterday at the Heritage. Um, Bill Haas won the FedEx Cup. I mean, you know, the... The history there is incredible. I'm not even listing, you know, the first half of the guys that I could go on and on about. 
Yeah, and also, how important was it to to focus on the academics as well? Because you know we see, and and by their own admission, some golfers say that you know they just cruise through the academic side. It you know it is hard, but they're not really worried about the degree they get. Some don't even actually graduate. They just they just it's, it's professional golf, and that's it. it. Was it was really important for you, wasn't it, to get the studying side as well? Yeah, you know, I that's what's something a big misconception about me is, you know, I left a semester early, but I'm actually almost done with my degree right now. I've only got a couple classes left. Um, but Wake had the biggest balance or the best balance of school and golf. You know, really that was available available to me. I mean, the history of the program and then being at a top thirty institution in the United States, you know, it's tough to beat. I mean, you get the best of both worlds and being able to go on the Arnold Palmer Arnold Palmer scholarship it, you know, I'm I felt like when I got offered that scholarship, it's like, my goodness, my decision's made for me. Yeah. You know, this is this is fantastic. So, you know, I when I left, you know, to briefly touch on, you know, leaving a semester early, you know, I wasn't going to leave with the unless I knew that I was able to graduate. And so, finished up my major, but just had some elective credits left, and then, you know, not even a couple weeks later, I was playing in my debut. So. I think it's, it's a, it is a tough decision, though, even because that's still a young age, isn't it? You know, these guys are expecting you to to know exactly what you want to do at a young age, and you know, you're only 23 now, and and this was, you know, quite a few years ago, even then. So for someone to say, well, okay, you, you skipped your final year, but there's a, an opportunity to go and play right away. I mean, you you were the ACC Player of the Year in 2017. You just played in a, in a Walker Cup. You know, you'd, you'd had a bet, you'd broken a school record for scoring average beating Bill Huss's record you know that everything was suggesting to you that you were ready to go to the next level and and people are always going to have sort of misconceptions about your decision and and people might look back now and say well did you leave too early but at the end of the day you're, you're now making it making it right as you are now yeah no I mean that's the thing is that I get asked that a lot you know especially with the new PGA Tour University coming out or where guys are going to start getting starts if they stay for all four years and I'm just you know I just tell them I said look I made the best decision for me at the time. You know, I'm through and through a Wake Forest Demon Deacon. Do not question that <laughs> at all. But, uh, you know, I made the best decision for me and for my career. And, you know, the beauty of that first year was it was kind of initiation by fire. And I learned so much in that first year that, you know, I, I'm so glad that, you know, a lot of the lessons that I learned from practice rounds with major champions. And, you know, I started working with Troy Denton at the time, which he's become a really great friend of mine and um, a, a phenomenal coach. He's, you know, basically, you know, he's my number one cheerleader. You know, he's, he's, uh, he works with Sebastian Munoz and he actually works a little bit with Davis. And so I, it's been, been a very, it was a very hard decision, but I do not regret it for a second considering um, the people that I've met along the way and, you know, forming a great friendship while, you know, like uh, with Tony Romo and, you know, it's been been obviously a good ride since. Yeah, and, and the thing is as well, you had your first experience on the PJ Tour, you know, in 2015, you're just 18 years of age. Uh, yeah. You played at Northern Trust, you know, those sort of things, that happened two years before you'd left Wake Forest. Uh, yeah. You know, so to miss one season at the end, um, you know, you stayed there for another couple of years after even that. So it's not like you just skipped out 18 and, and were reckless <laughs> and, you know, and just that was it. I'm going to turn pro and, and screw the rest of you. you. You know, you still did your part and 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 worked your way up. It was a case of, 
you know, it was it was ready. He'd played at the Walker Cup, and if you just look at the team, the, the names of the players on your team there, you had Cameron Champ, who you had a six and five victory with. Um, you know, Maverick McNeely, Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, Doug Gim, Norman Jean, Doc Redmond. Now, these are all guys that are playing out there now um, mm. at the same time as you. So, and no one's really questioning what they did. Um, you know, that was a really dominant performance from yourself. You were three and one that week. Do you think that? Obviously, I think maybe you may have made your mind up before that week, but did that really cement that you were ready to, to make that decision? Yeah, you know, I, um, that experience in itself is one of the most incredible, incredible weeks of my entire life. I mean, it was just, there's something about being, you know, representing your country, for one, but in terms of that tournament, there's only four to 6,000 uh, spectators allowed on property but the difference is they're literally able to walk right in behind you yeah. and so every single match you know there's hundreds if not close to a thousand in the big matches of people walking right behind you as you're playing and it's just it's such an intimate um, experience you know where the people are always around you but at the same time, you know, it's on TV, it's a big deal, you're representing your country, it's the best 10 players of the United States against the best 10 players in GB&I, so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that week, I, I'm not sure I've ever been more nervous in my golfing career than standing on that first tee for, you know, the Walker Cup for a couple of reasons, one of them being obviously, you know, hitting that first tee shot, it's a little nerve-wracking, but the second part was, we were actually teeing off of number one, or number one tee at uh, Los Angeles Country Club is actually on the practice putting green. And so I was scared out of my mind of slipping and making a fool of myself <laughs> and hitting something about 100 yards. So I hit about a about a hard high of a draw as I possibly could have to make sure that ball got out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> try and get, try and get out there. And, and it <laughs> yeah. didn't take you long to, to settle down, did it? I mean, you lost your first match with Doc Redmond three and two. Um, and then you come out in the afternoon and won your singles two up against Matthew Jordan. Um, mm. You know how, I know obviously everyone likes the, the, the team events because they get to play with a partner and it's not something you can do, but how important is it to, to get, take care of your business? So, you know, the match is on your line. You need to win the point and, and you secured it. How much of a, an impact was that for you? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the Walker Cup is, you know, when you're playing in four ball, when you're in like a Ryder Cup, for example, where you've got, you know, the four balls in play and there's you know, a little strategy involved of one person maybe plays aggressive and, or another one's conservative, you know, whatever. But when you're playing the alternate shot format, it's like, you two are playing as individuals or you two are playing as an individual team yeah. within a team. And then after that, now you're playing as just an individual in the singles. And so it's a really cool feeling of basically partnering up just for, you know, two sessions with a partner. Then after that, it's all on you. And, you know, everybody, like you said, it kind of goes with, they kind of just go about their business. You know, there's no real uh, team feel until you're back in the locker room and you, you know, you're done for the day. It's like everybody go do their deal and collectively we, we know we'll succeed. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, playing those practice rounds with all those guys. I mean, I think Maverick McNeely and I played like three rounds, you know, 
in a row when guys were kind of taking a day off or something like that in practice, just because, you know, you know, basically you're telling me that 20 guys get LACC for a week and a half. I mean, (laughs) you know, my goodness. So we, Mav, Mav and I took advantage of it, but, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. I mean, guys were, you know, getting crazy emotional on that final, you know, even though we won 19-7, it was really just from that final singles that really made the difference. I mean, um, that morning session, I think we won like three and one, um, and we may have had like a four or five point lead, but once it got to that afternoon, it's not like it was, you know, it wasn't over by any stretch of the imagination. And I think I was like fourth or fifth to go out. I think we were down in our first three matches. And of course, I think the most recent memory that a lot of the guys had were, you know, Medina is kind of in the back of your mind a little bit where it's like, Oh God, you know, you see all three matches in front of you down two down through three. It's like, <laughs> it's like, come on guys, let's get this together. But of course we ended up turning those around and everybody, you know, really had a successful final singles. Yeah. And do you think, you know, look, cause looking at the names of that team now, I mean, Cameron Chance won on the PGA tour, mm-hmm. um, you know, Colin Morikawa's won and played really well recently. Was, was there a standout player for you in that team or were you all just at a very similar level and, and you're just not surprised to see how people have gone on now? You know, I mean, it, I basically what I tell people is that team, I got to see a taste of what we were going to see, you know, three to four years down the road. And yeah. Cameron hit it an absolute mile. I mean, I remember when we were in the alternate shot match on number 10, he left me about 65 yards on the hole that I was used to having about 130 <laughs> and being able to hit like a full wedge in, and this pin was tucked over a front bunker and the you know greens are crazy firm. And I just said, look, I'm sorry, man, but I'm going to hit this to 20 feet and I'm going to look like, you know, look like a moron for ruining your tee shot, but I've got nothing. And, and so, you know, Morikawa and I, you know, were basically kind of the two ball strikers on the team. I mean, Mavs Bennett was just an all-around consistent player. Doug's one of the better chippers and putters of the ball that I've seen. Um, Norman could absolutely move it. And, you know, Braden's very homemade, but he knows how to get it done. And Scotty's got, you know, he's just a gamer, you know. And so he, that was, it's just kind of fun to see three to four years before was, just kind of alluding to what professional you know the new crop coming up through the, through the professional ranks was going to look like yeah and also do you think you take confidence from seeing where they are at the moment because obviously you're not established on the pj tour as of yet i mean you've had you've had chances to play on the pj tour but you've not had your card for a full season do you think that just seeing how well they've adapted to it at an early age and you're still only 23 do you think the best is that obviously the best is still yet to come and and do you think you can take confidence from what they've already done absolutely you know i think that's the part that i've been so fortunate enough to watch jordan from all the way from junior golf on you know to you know in 2015 when he won the first two majors and finished in the top five and the other two you know everyone saw the wonder boy Jordan Spieth and I saw you know a, a buddy that I played golf with for a long time and so I think that that attitude of being around some of these big names I mean granted I haven't played with Tiger but um you know there's a level of comfortability when you know I'm playing with some of these guys and you know seeing these guys be this successful it's like you know oh I know I can do what they're doing um so you know now it's just a matter of me doing it 
So it's been, um, you know, I remember Jordan shooting 63 and shooting the course record at my home golf course at 14. He couldn't even drive in a golf cart, you know. <laughs> and so that's the stuff that, you know, I remember. You know, I don't think of the guy that, you know, has won 10, 11 times on tour and a FedEx Cup champ and a three-time major, you know, champion. That's just, you know, but obviously – if he if he's got a putter in his hand, anything within a mile, I'm I'm a little scared of if I'm playing yeah, against him. It might, it might drop, yeah. And that, and, that, and that's the thing, isn't it? And it's interesting you say there that with Jordan's particularly that you can go onto the PGA Tour and play with him and not be phased at all. Whereas there is rookies that would go out next season and still be starstruck by him, and you're not going to have that issue when it comes to it, you know, next season. Um, and that might be the case with other guys because you know what it's like to play with these you know elite athletes i mean just like you say your friendship with tony roma i mean he's an elite, he's been an elite player in his sport for years and years and years and and now he's sort of humbled himself to play another a sport that you can beat him at but you can see how much his drive pushes him to improve as well yeah you know that's it is kind of funny just because uh you know I, this guy works harder than some professional golfers you know that that i'm friends with you know he he works his tail off he's in the chiropractor at 8 a.m., stretches for a bit, hits balls for a couple hours, and he'll play a money game in the afternoon. And then if he didn't like how he hit it, he'll go hit some more. So, you know, the guy works at it crazy hard. And, you know, just like you said, I mean, when I played, you know, my, my second event as a professional was actually Pebble Beach, and he was my partner. And at the time, you know, the biggest event I had played in was the Walker Cup. And next thing you know, we're standing at, spyglass and there's bill murray in front of us and then in front of him is phil and you know i'm paired with tony and it seems like the crowds could not be any deeper and you know but the beauty of it was to me when i'm playing in a tournament like that and in a setting like that with tony he's just a buddy you know it's the same thing goes with you know all the other guys it's like you know when we're i think that's part that i'm really fortunate enough to meet all these great players in, in Dallas is, um, you know, everyone's knows each other and everyone wants to play with each other just because they know that we'll get better from it. Um, yeah. and obviously Tony being Tony, everyone knows his passion and his drive to get better. And, you know, he's going to actually play teed up on the corn Ferry tour in a couple of weeks in Springfield, Missouri. Um, and you know, the part that I'm amazed of now within the, probably four years that I've known him or three, three years that I've known him. Um, you know, I seriously would be surprised if the guy shoots, you know, nine, 10 under and has a nice, decent finish for the week, you know? And this is the thing. And, and a lot of people criticize the tour when they give him a start. And it was the same with Steph Curry. Um, sure. you know, why are you giving him this exemption? But I've always looked at the fact, well, look, you know, one, it's going to bring a lot of publicity to a tournament that, possibly wouldn't get that publicity so it's only great for the guys that are on the tour um because i think a lot of the the negativity is that it's taken a spot away from a player that's chasing his card right and um but this like you said he works harder than many people do um he's not there just to wave at cameras and, and smile and say he did it he is trying to score the best he can and how close do you think he is to being a professional golfer if he wanted to do you think he is close enough that he could make a run at it or do you think that he's still some way off i mean he's got a little way to go but i think the part that gets me so excited about him is just his love for the game and his love for competition that 
what he can do with golf is is limitless. You know, I think at this point right now, you know, he's. I think right now he would be a really good mid-am, you know, one of the top five mid-ams in the country. But the difference between being one of the top five mid-ams and the top five ams in the in the country is a little bit of a big, you know, it's a big difference. But yeah. you know, the, at one point, you know, Colin Morikawa, who's one of the top five amers in the country, you know, lost in a playoff in Wichita when he was still in college, you know, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, you know, obviously Colin's Colin, but um, he's close. I mean, I'm telling you, he's just needs to get that driver straightened out a little bit and he'll, uh, you know, he hits it a mile for a 40 year old with a bad back. Um, so I'm excited for his future. I mean, I think, you know, I would not be surprised if he keeps it on plugging and, you know, hopefully 10 years from now, he'll be teeing it up on the senior tour, having full status. So I would really not be surprised at that at all. And the thing is, as well, is that people don't forget he wasn't allowed to to practice as much as he wants to and play as competitively as he wanted to when he was a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys because of his back. You know, they were trying mm-hmm. to protect that, and he's only really had to have a proper go at it for the last two or three years. And and you can tell by the improvement that he's made that he's clearly, if he's got enough time to dedicate it and and, and he enjoys it as much as he want, as he does now, that he could go as far and. Has he actually said that he wants to go and play on the, the Champions Tour at some point, or is that just something that you think he could do? I think it's something he could do. You know, I think for him, it's he wants to get as good at golf as he possibly can. And if that means professional golf, sure. If that means uh, amateur golf, then great. So, you know, I, that's the part about him that I have to admire so much is that he has – friends around him that have won majors in PGA Tour events, people that are members of, you know, the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour that he's playing with every single day. Um, you know, he works with Chris O'Connell at home and uh, who's helped him immensely, you know, and the beauty of it is, you know, he's got all these great friends that are on speed dial. So he gets to ask all the questions that he wants whenever he wants. He's able to work at it now 24-7 if you'd like. <laughs> And that's why I say it, it's honestly, it's what he can do is limitless. I mean, and the guy absolutely loves it and works at it. And that's something that was very exciting for me. You know, after my first year out, I was kind of down about how I played. And we started playing a lot more golf then. And um, he really was encouraging me. And then, you know, I get to see this guy where it's like his end goal is to be the best golfer he can possibly be. And he's just doing everything he possibly can every single day for, you know, 14 hours a day. And that right there, it was basically kind of how we became very close friends. And, you know, during the quarantine, we basically played every day for about three months. Um, And so it's been it's been fun to have somebody that I can practice with that honestly practices harder than I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? It's, it's really, is crazy. I know he's got the time to do it and he's got the, you know, he's got no money issues so he can do what he likes. He doesn't right. have to work, but you know, it, it's still, it still takes a work ethic, doesn't it? It's not, you know, you can't just, you can't glaze over it. Oh, he's just playing golf because he's got nothing else to do. It's not that he, he's doing it because he loves doing it and, and he practices as hard as anyone else. No, I mean, he's just a full on competitor. I mean, that guy, anything that, you know, we do, it's always we're trying to beat each other. And that's something that, you know, golf is his competition outlet. 
um, you know, if he didn't have golf, I think he'd lose his mind. You know, <laughs> if, I mean, honestly, if he didn't have golf, he'd probably be coaching or doing something. I mean, or, you know, just, you know, announcing more or getting more involved in media, I guess. But, you know, whatever that would entail. But it's literally like golf is his competition outlet. It's his chance to go out and, you know, beat people. But it's funny that the people that he's trying to beat are, you know, the Kramer Hickox, Jordan Spieth, Ryan Palmer, the me, you know, me, Davis, you know, all these, <laughs> all these great players. So, you know, that's why I said is, you know, I was giving them maybe two and a half or three aside a little while back and it's slowly inching down to two. So, um, he's got me a couple times gross. I will say that I'll admit it for him. I mean, I taste like vinegar coming out of my mouth, but, <laughs> um, but he's got me a couple times. Uh, but Joe, you know, it's what I what I like about this, you know the relationship that you've got is that this guy is Tony Roma, right? He's been the biggest name in Dallas for, you know, however long, how many years it's been now. Um, and he could easily just pick and choose who he wants to play golf with. And if Tiger doesn't answer his call, he'll try Phil. And if, if you know, maybe Jordan Spieth, and that's and he could just stop there, couldn't he? He's he he could pick and choose who he plays with, but he's willing to and happy and wants to play with you guys because he knows that you're professional golfers and you're brilliant at the craft that he wants to be good at, and and he just wants to work here. So he's not. You know, not a knock on yourself, but he he really could play with anyone, and he's choosing to play with you because he gets on well with you, and because he knows that that's good for his game. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, it's been it's been fun to watch his progression, and um, it's been fun having him kick my butt on 16, 17, and eighteen, <laughs> making his his typical Romo comebacks nonstop, like he did in the NFL. <laughs> And, and also, there's a couple of things that you mentioned there. Is you know, it was good to play with him because you're a bit down about your your previous seasons, golf and things like that. And and to take it back to an earlier point about those guys at the Walker Cup, you know, we say we take confidence from that team. But was there any point where you grew frustrated at how how much they'd come on and how early they'd gained success versus yourself, or did you, did you not try and compare yourself to others? Yeah, I mean, every everybody's journey is different. Um, you know, that's a if you think about it, when Jordan and I were, when Jordan was a senior in high school and I was a freshman, um, you know, he was, or I was a freshman, he was a senior in high school, and then he goes off to college, plays a year, you know, contends in the Nelson, and it's like, holy cow. And then not even, you know, five years later, he's a major champion. So it's like, you know, my five-year progression from that point was being a freshman or sophomore in college. And, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, even though we're at the same point, you know, these guys grew, were growing as players at such a rapid rate. And, um, you know, of course, it's, mo- it's more motivating than frustrating. You know, it's like you see these guys, you know, doing great things and it's like you're rooting for them because they're your friends. And it's like, man, if they can do it, I know I definitely can. So, um, yeah, you know, that first year for me was a little bit of a growing year, but um, I never really grew that frustrated in terms of, you know, watching these other guys, other guys, you know, pass on by, if you will. Was it just a case of getting used to being a professional as opposed to a college or a very good amateur player? Is that, is that what it is? Rather than your game, any specific things between changing your game, is just this year you're more comfortable being a pro player and, and chasing the PGA Tour? Yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of... Um, I, had, I was right when I started working with Troy and we really started cleaning up some things in my golf swing and my short game. Um, you know, there, I was doing things in, you know, college and um, amateur ranks that, you know, 
you just couldn't do in the professional golf in professional golf world. And I had had, um, you know, I had a very successful amateur career, you know, in my mind winning a bunch of different amateur events, but, um, you know, you could have thrown any corn Ferry tour player into any of those events at that time. And I feel like they probably still would have beaten me. Um, and so, you know, basically it's just a little progression and that's just kind of how, um, I've always viewed, you know, my game is just every week to week. It's just, let's get better. Let's keep getting better at what we're doing. Um, you know, it really wasn't so much the adjustment, you know, from playing in, you know, the different tournaments. I feel like the only adjustment I really had on, you know, this side of, on the professional side, I guess, is that, you know, getting used to playing five or six weeks in a row when I had to just to get my card, um, you know, I don't think I'd played anything more than three. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, like right now I'm contemplating playing six in a row and then taking a week off and then finishing off the season. That's like, you know, I look at it like it's nothing. But, um, you know, besides that, really just in terms of, you know, my game was just progression. You know, it's like everybody can hit it 320 yards, but if the guy's you know, hitting maybe a couple more fairways, gets a couple more birdie opportunities, and next thing you know, over the course of the season, they're getting your, their PJ Tour card and you're not. Yeah, and, and as we're talking about just small progressions, you know, you've made, a, I wouldn't say a giant leap because I think the ability's always been there, but the consistency factor this season, I mean, you've made all all your cuts so far this season. You've made them before going into the pandemic. Um, you've talked about at length already about, the, you know, the three months and how good that was for you and the juices flowing you come straight back out um and and finish inside the top three um you know and how you know how close do you think you are to that win and is it is it becoming something that you're expecting of yourself or do you think it will just happen because you've had you know three top tens um this season four top tens this season sorry and you know that that's just consistent golf um and, and the next thing is is just you know, what would you expect going forward? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I'm going to, I know I'm going to get one. I'm playing some really good golf. You know, it's something that's, like you said, it, it's just going to happen. You know, the, the, when I was leading at Sawgrass, I, I, to be frank, I really was not hitting it my best that I really, that I thought I, as well as I was heading into it, but I was making just a lot of putts and, that actually kind of kept me in contention even that last day, just a bunch of par saves. And then, you know, this past week, you know, I was six back going into the last day and got some help from Vince India. And, you know, I it's uh, when he was kind of coming back and then Chris Kirk was playing well that final day, you know, basically that final day I would have needed to shoot 64 to win outright. So it's like, you know, I got to keep hanging around the lead like I am. And I know that, you know, my time will come, you know, like you said, you know, just the consistency is the part that's been so nice. You know, I've actually sweated out a couple cuts this year on the number where I've had to make par birdie on 18. And obviously I've done it every time um, so far. So, you know, I know that the, you know, my best is definitely yet to come. Um, you know, Saturdays to me have been very kind this year. Um, you know, after sweating out a couple cuts, I've really rocketed it up the leaderboard just to even have a chance. So, um, you know, get myself in contention, you know, earlier in the week and, you know, just keep it together and I'll be holding the trophy pretty soon. 
Yeah, and I think I texted you know, earlier in the week and sort of said, you know, it's not very often that you're sort of so far back after playing the way you were for three rounds to be six shots back was kind of crazy to me. And there's, it's not very often you end the week 23 under and still lose. And um, I think, you, again, like I think your mindset is just, OK, well, I'm going to take the confidence and how good that result was and how well I played it versus... I shot 23 under and still didn't win and become frustrated, right? You're taking the good things in and, and, and see how it takes you into this week. Yeah, and that's like, you know, that's kind of what I had taken away from this past one was I felt that, you know, being six back on a course, it's very easy. You know, I basically, I knew I had to go very, you know, big time under par that final day. And I thought I forced it maybe a little bit early and then, um, you know, after, you know, I was just trying to make something happen, you know, maybe taking a little bit too aggressive lines or, you know, maybe, you know, hammering a, you know, trying to make a putt as opposed to just putting a good roll on it. And I finally kind of caught on to that, you know, after, you know, six, seven holes and started to kind of pull the throttle back, if you will, which I ended up playing some nice golf coming in from there. Um, so, yeah, I mean that's just we're 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 very close. I mean that's the part that's been exciting is from played seven events this year and I feel like you know I've been in the last group three times and you know we're gonna get one. Yeah, and I think you know I think there was always before there was kind of um, maybe a little bit of a stigma between the the competition between the two tours, right? So it wasn't that close between the web and the PGA. Whereas I think now that the people that are coming out of these, the web and the, and the corn ferry are ready to win straight away on the PGA tour. We're seeing it more and more often now. Um, you know, Sung Jae-in went on a great run straight mm-hmm. onto the PGA tour. And, and I think that, do you feel that this season is basically just almost a stepping stone onto the PGA tour? Because, you know, you're hitting over 84% of the greens this season. Your ball striking is obviously, uh, you know, a fantastic part of your game. You scramble well. You hit it plenty far enough off the tee. So you've got all the components you need to be successful. The, the finishes are there. Um, you know, a win, if it comes in the next few weeks, is going to lock up your card for next season anyway. Um, I suppose, is the determination just this season to, to worry about locking up your PGA Tour card, or do you think you, you feel like you really want to win this season? I know the latter will confirm the first part, but what's more important this stage? Yeah, you know, I mean, the the quickest way to get to the PGA Tour right now is to, from the Corn Ferry Tour, is to win three times. So, you know, each and every week that I'm playing, you know, obviously the end goal is to, you know, try to win. Um, but you know, that's basically, you know, if I, either way, if I keep hanging around leads like I have been so far this season, um, you know, one, I know I'll win at least one. And two, if I keep hanging around leads and playing as consistent as I, as I have, you know, I'll have my tour card by the, you know, for 2021. So, um, you know, that's the part that, is just kind of exciting is when you're playing some good golf and, um, you know, just keep giving myself chances and uh, keep plotting away. Yeah, and I suppose as well what probably does help is that Davis, your roommate there, you know, he's second on the, the rankings, so he again is going for the same thing this season he's already won this year so you guys are really in the journey together it's not like one of you's right at the top and one of you's you know lingering in the bottom part of the rankings you're both right there you're both performing at a very high level and you can both take that to the next stage and i suppose that probably adds a comfort level as well as what you spoke about with jordan spieth earlier on yeah no i mean that's you know we actually we played a practice round together the last two days you know we 
play practice rounds religiously together and we get to see each other go about their business. And, um, you know, like I said, it's like, you know, we played a lot of golf over the quarantine as well, you know, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm say this lovingly, you know, I'm gunning for his position, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's the part that's fun is, uh, you know, when you're having competitions against a guy who's already won and, you know, if you clip him a couple of times, it, it feels pretty good and you know what you're capable of doing exactly what he's been doing. Is there a tournament now? I mean, you're obviously the favorite going into this week from our point of view. Um, is is it a case of win as early as you can? Or is there a tournament that you've got scheduled on the calendar that you think would be right up your alley that you can sort of almost picture yourself winning? Or is it just while you're in the form, you can win anywhere? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I played a tough golf course and almost won at, at Sawgrass and then played a very easy golf course and almost won at World Golf Village. So for me, it's... Uh, Give me a tea time, and I'll do the best I can. And hopefully, hopefully by Sunday, we'll uh, we'll finally get that first trophy. And just and just before you go, Will is you know for the next let's say because you know it's very easy to say what's the next goal? Okay, well you want to get to the PGA Tour and you want to win. But where do you see yourself in five years' time? Say, what, what do you think the the level is at, and and what are those aspirations in that sort of time frame? So five years, I'll be twenty, almost twenty nine. I'd love to have that have that first major. You know, that's something that um, I've been very open about is winning uh, winning the Masters. I went there when I was nine, and I've gone back a bunch of times since. Um, you know, that's my that's my big goal. I mean, being on the PGA Tour. I mean, you know, guys who I feel like they have like the arbitrary goals of saying, oh yeah, I want to get on tour. It's like, well. You know, if that's your peak, you know, what happens when you get there, you know? So I would uh, I would love that if I'm one of the young guns and would be winning my first Masters. That sounds good to me because I, and that's the thing, isn't it? I think it's very easy, like you say, to be conservative because I think people don't want to be seen as arrogant, right? So people yeah. are worried of coming across as cocky and, oh, God, he thinks he can win the Masters in five years' time. Well, if you if you didn't think you could win the Masters in five years' time, you're playing the wrong sport, I believe, because you know you're 23 years of age. You're playing at a very high level. Um, you know it's taken two PGA Tour players over the last two weeks to beat you. Um, you know why is that not your aim? I'm guessing Ryder Cups are in that you know in that picture. You've, you've played the Walker Cup with with guys that have you know that are going to be on Ryder Cup teams in the next couple of years. So that it's not a cockiness. I just like to hear a, a strong level of confidence and. You know, if I can if I can take this soundbite out in five years' time, and you said you wanted to win the Masters, and you do, <laughs> then absolutely, and I'm not going to take it out if you don't win it because that's it's not an unrealistic goal. It's just one of seeing where you think your game's at now versus where you think it can be in five years' time, and also what is the future because because some people, you know, if you got to the end of your career and and you won once but you made you know thirty million dollars, okay, well that's a, you know it's a great career. You know, it's not something you could do outside of golf. It's, you know, it's a lot of money and, and it's a great time. But obviously, it's the competitive edge that drives you going on forward. Well, and that's what, you know, let's just say even if I don't win a Masters throughout my career, the joy of, you know, even if I became close is my whole point. The joy of being able to tell the story of I contended on Sunday at the Masters, there's not many people that get to say that. And so, you know, even if I just get to play in the Masters, not many people get to say that. So that's why, for me, um, you know, 
putting on the green jacket would obviously be a big dream of mine, but everything that comes with it, even if I just get close, you know, that's just, you know, to me, those are memories that you'll have for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I think you're you're well on your way to achieving that dream of at least playing in the Masters. Um, I think you've got a great support system around you. I think, you know, your, your parents have obviously done a brilliant job. You've got great friends, great mentors. We haven't even spoken about Lee Trevino that obviously offers you advice from time to time. Um, <laughs> you know, just to, and, I, and I think as well, it's like, what I didn't want to do with this podcast is just attach all these names to you, right, where it says, okay, well, your friends with Tony Romo and your friends with Tony <laughs> Wobkins, your friends with Lee Trevino. I didn't want to do that because the podcast is about you. Um, but I think you're very open and honest that these guys are your friends and you embrace it and, and take every bit of advice you can get. Well, and that's, you know, I, I like, that's actually a really good point is, you know, I mentioned their names to give them credit, not to boast, you know, that I know these people, you know, I, I you just mentioned the Lee Trevino, um, you know, he told me a little something out of bunker. It was probably about five, six months ago when I was in a lesson with Josh Gregory and, it, you know, something that I'll remember for the rest of my life, you know, um, you know, having these conversations with Tony about, you know, a little bit about his career, but then how it can carry over even in, into my golf career. You know, I'm very fortunate to be around some very successful people and they've taught me a lot. And I owe a lot of my success to these people. And if, if anything, it's more of a, you know, something that my dad taught me growing up was, you know, it's really hard to repay the people that have helped you along the way. So you just kind of pay the next person after that, you know, that's down the list. Um, so that's stuff that, you know, even uh, nowadays, I get a lot of joy, you know, hanging around some of the high school kids that are trying to get their golf scholarships. And they're asking me questions all wigged out about, you know, a scholarship or this coach or what about this amount of money or this or that. And I'm just like, man, that's just this is like reliving, reliving it for me. So I'm just glad that I'm on the other side of it and I can, you know, help, you know, the people that are coming up behind me. Yeah. And again, like you said earlier in the podcast is that if you can be one of the greatest players that came out of Wake Forest, then you certainly achieved plenty in your golf game. And, and that really serves you as a role model going forward. And I think that's something that you speak of there and it's really admirable to hear. So I think you've got everything going for you. I think that the results will speak for themselves in time. And uh, I don't think there'll be too many people mocking you for uh, for going for the Masters in five years' time. So uh, I think, well, uh, look, I wish you the best of luck this week in, uh, in your tournament. I think, you know, you know that you're playing well. Um, the course, I'm sure, will suit. So let's go out there and get the W and we can uh, we can talk about that again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate the so, time. No problem. Thank you very much for coming on.